All right, church. We did it. Not too bad. Pretty good, guys. Yeah, pretty good. It's hard. Uh, we are Erie Christian Fellowship Church. And so you can't take the fellowship out of ECF Church. Is that right? Right? That, that, that word, that fellowship word, you just can't take it out. So we're going to fellowship. But what we've done today is we got some time to fellowship uh, after service. And we know a lot it's Easter, so a lot of people are busy and got things to go do. But we're going to keep celebrating the risen king, amen? We're going to just, we're going to hear what God has to say. We've already heard many things of what he has to say to us, so we're going to continue to hear from the Lord today. So let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, I thank you for how good you are, for how much you love us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for all of what that means. And Lord, just open our ears and our eyes today to see you more clearly. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you guys a quick story. This happened to me this week. A lot of you know that I'm bivocational and that I work at the, uh, I work at the Chamber of Commerce downtown during the week. And I really enjoy working there, and it gives me a great opportunity to reach out to local business leaders, to pray with people, to just be a light in the world, amen? Just to be a light in the world out there in the workforce and just listening to the challenges and the difficulties people have. Well, this happened to me, it was on Wednesday, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, it caught me off guard. And I wasn't ready for the question that they asked me. The question somebody asked me came right up to me and he said, hey, you know, this is big week coming up, big week coming up, right? Big week. And I was like, yeah, big week. He said, Jason, what's, what's more important, Christmas or Easter? He, and he was serious and he wanted to know the answer. And to be honest, I stumbled over the answer. I did. I stumbled over the answer. I said, well, you know, look, you can't have one without the other, you know, and so they're both important, and they're both equally important because you couldn't have Easter unless you had Christmas, and then for some reason I started talking about the secularization of Christmas and how I didn't like that and how it was too much of this and that and not enough about Jesus, so, you know, if I'm letting you know Easter is more important. And I walked away from the conversation, and the Lord was just like, yeah? That's the reason, Pastor Jason? Evangelizing the workforce, I see. Honestly, and the Lord, he just convicted me. Like, we need, all of us need to be ready and stand ready for the questions that the world is going to ask us. And we need to be ready with the answer. And the Lord just began to minister to me and speak to my heart. And it was just like, Jason, you need to give him the right answer. And the right answer, guys, is, yeah, sure, we don't have Easter without Christmas. But what Easter is and what Easter represents and that it is the fulfillment, the final fulfillment. Yes, Christmas was prophesied in here, but that's not the end of the book. It didn't end with the birth of Jesus. It didn't stop there. 
how it ends is that he went to the cross and that he defeated the grave. He paid the price for the sins and he was resurrected and then he ascended into heaven and the end of the book says, and he's coming back. And he's coming back. The only way he can come back is if he was here and then left, which means Easter is the most important thing. It's the most, yes, I know they're tied together. And so I was just convicted, and I actually worked and crafted this very well theologically sound email as a follow-up to his question. And I'm hoping for another opportunity to be able to, because I know personally that this person doesn't know Jesus. He's told me that. They call me Pastor Jason in the office. But he doesn't believe. And the Bible tells us the fate of all those who do not believe. And what I told him as I crafted this message in my email, I said, look, you need to understand that because Jesus did what he said he would do, and the Bible is the evidence and the proof of what actually happened, and he went to the cross, and he died for the sins, and he rose again, because of that, it changes everything. Christmas didn't change everything. Easter changes everything. Everything. It changes everything. And I said, if what happened, happened, and I know that it did, and historical evidence has proved that it has. If what happened, happened, then every single person has a choice to make. Every person has a choice, a decision to make. Whether or not they believe that Jesus did what he said he was going to do and actually did it. We all have to make that choice in our life. And so I want all of us to be ready for that question. Because, we, guys, we live in a world where the people are looking for answers. People are looking for answers. And they're going to turn to the person that they work with, that they go to school with, that they are a family member with, and they're going to say, what is it about you? Why do you have peace in a situation that you shouldn't have peace? And it is only because, not because you're any good, not because you're trying harder, it's only because this cross is now empty, and Jesus has risen from the grave, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and I can pray, and I can cast my cares to him, and a peace that passes all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus and that is why I can have peace in a situation where nobody else can have peace because of him you know this word here this word of God was written over the course of thousands of years by over 40 different authors in all different languages yet every single Word and prophecy that was written in this book came to pass. And it came to pass in the form of the cross and the resurrection. You understand that one person, Jesus Christ, one person to come to this earth and fulfill every single one of those prophecies is impossible. It's impossible. The statistics say it's not possible. It's like, you know, how many, love your math classes, 10 times the power of like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of zeros. 
And in the world we live in, that's impossible. But God. But God. For with God, all things are possible. And every prophecy that was made, every word that was given, they all came to pass. They all came to pass. And we're waiting for that last word to come to pass when he comes down, yeah? And every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. If you're here this morning and you didn't say, you know what, raise your hand. I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. You don't know when he's coming back. I don't think it's tomorrow. Do you know? I don't think so. But it's soon, church. And you need to be ready. Not ready in a physical sense. Ready in here, in your heart, in your spirit, man, to be ready to meet Jesus. One of the things I recommended to this gentleman was to watch a movie called The Case for Christ. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this movie. It was done by Hollywood. It was done very, very well. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to watch it because it's about a reporter who was so skeptical that this actually happened, this, cross, this Jesus, this cross, this resurrection. What is that? Is that just some story in a book? And he went to research and he dug in and he was a mind of like a lawyer and an investigator and a reporter. And you know what he turned out finding out? In fact, it was the truth. And once he saw the truth, and if this is the truth, he had no other choice to say but like, oh my goodness, Lord save me. <laughs> I'm a sinner and I need saved. Every one of us is a sinner that need saved. Open your Bibles this morning. We're going to look at two passages of Scripture quickly here this morning. Luke chapter 5 and John 21. Luke chapter 5 and John 21. There's are two parallel stories. Two parallel stories. The first one in Luke 5, we're going to look at Jesus' first interaction with the disciples. It's his first interaction. And if one of his very, these very first interactions is him going to fishermen and talking about getting some fish. And we're going to look then in John chapter 21, which is the story of Jesus after the cross, after the resurrection, before he ascended, he again meets with the disciples in the same manner. It happens again. It's like the same story is happening. Jesus' ministry starts this way, and Jesus' ministry on this earth ends this way. And so what I want to show you this morning is what are the things that are the same between them, and then what is different this side of the cross. And I think it's important that we see that this morning. Luke chapter 5. I'm just going to read this story, and then I'm going to point some things out. And in Luke, uh, John chapter 21, we're going to get into it a little deeper. Starting in verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, which ends up being Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. But Simon answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. A lot of work, little results. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish 
and their net was breaking. And so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled the boats. And so it began to sink. Then Simon Peter saw it. And he fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they had brought their boats to the land. They forsook all and they followed him. So this is Jesus' first interaction with a couple of these disciples. And they're out fishing. And they're toiling, and they're working, and they're trying, and they're catching nothing. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And he says, hey, take those nets and throw them down. And the result that we see is that there was a large catch of fish. And Simon Peter's, Peter's response is just like, oh my gosh, this dude is anointed. Right? He fell down, he's like, oh my gosh, Lord, what is, who is this person? What's going on here? He doesn't know him yet. He doesn't have a relationship with him yet. He doesn't get what's going on. And Jesus then says, hey, we're going to catch some, we're going to catch men from now on. Come follow me and let me show you how this is done. So we see in that story, one, they were fishing. Two, they weren't catching anything. Jesus calls them to put down their nets. They have a big catch, but their nets are breaking. Simon realizes what's going on, and he's like, i got to follow this dude. I need to see what's going on, what's happening here. And then between this and between Luke or John chapter 21, we have Jesus' ministry. We have his three years of ministry, only three years of ministry on this earth. And all that he did and accomplished, I mean, it's unbelievable what, what he had done. We have the death, we have the resurrection, which we are celebrating this morning. But before he ascended, before he ascended, and here's the wonderful story about the case for Easter, is that he went and he saw his disciples again. After the cross, risen from the grave, he went around, it says he went and visited over 500 people. It says that people saw him and they documented and they wrote this down. These stories that we're listening, they're not just stories, they're actual fact, they're truth that happened. They were, these gospels were written down, eyewitnesses. They wrote them down and they passed them down from generation to generation. Do you know if you stacked up all the original copies of the New Testament that are actually there? They're more than any other history book. No other history book got passed down in the original form like the New Testaments did. Like these gospel letters. And so we're reading something, not a story. We're reading something that actually happened. And they read it, and they looked at it, and it got passed down generation after generation. And so we see Jesus ministering and beginning to call his disciples. Now go to John chapter 21. So Jesus has his ministry. He dies on the cross. He conquers death. And now he's back visiting his disciples before he ascends to heaven. And let's look at this. Simon Peter, hey, Peter's involved again. Here he is. He's back. Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, 
Hey, they were in the first story too. And two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Same dudes, same group of guys. They said to him, okay, we're going to go with you also. And they went out and they immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught... Wait a second. I thought, you know, well, Jesus... I thought, I thought Jesus changes everything. You see, but they are still working in their own power. They're still working in their own effort. They're still saying, okay, I'm going to go fishing and I'm going to do this. And guess what? The result of our own effort, the result of our own trying, whether it's before the cross or after the cross, equals nothing. 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 But then the morning had now come. They're out there all night. Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. But they're looking out. They can't tell. I don't know if Jesus has, like, got the hoodie on today. I don't know what's going Like, you can't. Maybe it was a chilly morning. They can't see and understand that it's him. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. No, we got nothing. The first point of this message this morning is life without Jesus equals an empty life. It's an empty life. It's an empty net. It's an empty net. You can try. You can toil. You can work. You can do all these things. But somewhere deep inside, there's an emptiness. There's a hole there that you cannot fill. You can't fill it with money. You can't fill it with fame. You can't, you can't fill it by being married. Oh, you mean my spouse isn't my savior? Yeah, from experience, nope. And then you could say the same thing right back at me. No. Yeah, but if I have children, then I'm most like in God's image, and two come together, and we're creating something, and we must, that must be the fulfilling thing that fills the voids in my heart. No. It's a lot of work. <laughs> For all of you who have had children, having children, God bless you. It's a lot of work, but it doesn't fulfill. Life without Jesus is an empty net. Life without Jesus is an empty net. It's a lot of effort and little results. It's a whole lot of effort and little results. It's almost like an analogy where like, you have a bucket of water and there's holes all in it. And you just keep pouring water into this bucket, hoping that it fills up. Hoping that it overflows like the 10-ounce, 12-ounce cup of coffee you're going to go get later today. Like, I want to see this overflow. You keep trying to pour, and the holes in the bucket, it just keeps coming out. Because that's life without Jesus. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be fulfilled. It's not, it's not possible. It's actually not possible. Life without Jesus is an empty life. Verse 6. And then he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. He's like, yeah, you know, I've already done this once before, but let me do it for you again. Because when Jesus shows up on the scene, and when Jesus says to go do something, and when Jesus says, I want to be in your life, and when you invite Jesus into the spaces in your life, and you invite him to the wedding feast, as they did in John chapter 2, he begins to change everything. 
And so they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because the multitude of fish. Same result. Same result. Lots of fish when Jesus showed up on the scene. So life with Jesus equals an overflowing life. Life without him, empty. Life with him, overflowing. You're like, does that mean that my bank account as soon as, I, as soon as I say, Jesus, come into my life, that I just, I'm going to log in on my mobile app to my bank account and be like, ooh, look at my bank account, moving up supernaturally because you know what? This is amazing. No. Overflowing means those voids in your life, those holes in your life, that emptiness in your life, Jesus is now beginning to plug those holes in that bucket. He's saying, I want this hole filled. I want this hole filled. And you know what? Sometimes that's a lot of work. And most of the time, it's not very pleasant. He works on things in your life. His goal is whole. He wants the bucket to be whole so that when he is pouring out his spirit and pouring out his love, all it's doing is overflowing. The net is overflowing. Your life is overflowing. Inviting Jesus into every area, every crack, every broken area, every hole in your bucket of your heart. When you invite him in there, he begins to work on it. He begins to plug it up, and he begins to say, we're going to change this in your life. And when you invite him in, you begin to live a life of overflowing. You begin to experience and do things that you cannot do on your own. You can't do it on your own. An example in our life is the eight children that God has blessed us with. We cannot do that on our own. It is an overflowing life, and it's only because of Jesus that we're able to do it. His anointing. Life with Jesus is an overflowing life. It changes everything. But you can see the miracle was the same in both times, because guess what we do know? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says it in Hebrews. He doesn't change. He's, he's never different. So when he says to cast the net down, guess what? It's the same result because Jesus was involved. Same thing happened. Same result. Verse 7. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it a little bit earlier. Maybe it was getting a little hot. The water was cold. He jumped, he put it on, and he plunged into the sea. He plunged... As soon as he realized it was Jesus, a similar result happened. The first time, he didn't know who it was. Remember, the first story is he just fell to his feet. When he got to Jesus, he fell to his feet. But you see Peter in this part of the story, after he knew who Jesus was, after he spent three years with Jesus, what did he do? He ran to Jesus. Oh my gosh, it's him. It's Jesus. Nothing's going to stand in my way now. I know this guy. He is Lord, he's Savior, he's risen. He defeated death. Everything he said that he would do, he did. It's all coming to pass. I need to get to Jesus now. What can we learn from that story on this, half, on this, on this Easter morning, on this back half of the story? Is whatever it takes, get to Jesus. Whatever it takes, get to Jesus. If you got to put a coat on and take a few seconds to put the coat on before you jump in the water, then put the coat on and get to Jesus. 
And I don't know what that analogy means in your life, but you have to get to Jesus. If there's something standing in your way, get to Jesus. Get to him. Run, swim. You say, but there's, the water's too cold. I hear ice, ice swimming is good for you. It's a lot of medical benefits to a lot of health benefits to cold water swimming. Peter's doing some cold water swimming here. As soon as he recognized Jesus, as soon as he recognized him, he said, nothing is going to stop me from getting to him. Church, this morning, don't let anything stop you from running to Jesus. Well, I have this sin in my life, and it just, you know, I can't seem to overcome it. Run to Jesus. Take it to him. My marriage is really struggling. I, I, just, I just don't know what to do anymore. Run to Jesus. Take it to him. Get to him. Do what it takes to get to him. Get a little crazy like we talked about last week. Start flipping tables. Get to him. There's no time to waste anymore of trying to live a life on our own. It is a waste of time. We're wasting our time trying to do it on our own. With him is an overflowing life, so I want to do everything I can to get to Jesus. In every area of my life, some of us do a great job of getting to Jesus in certain areas, and other areas in our life we're like, you know, I don't know if I really want to go there. It's our flesh talking. We got to take up our cross daily. We need to, we need to take up, we need to put down the flesh every day and say, I am going to get to Jesus. In this situation in my life, I'm going to get to Jesus. Whatever it takes, get to him. Don't let anything stand in your way. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land in about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they came to the land, they saw the fire of coals there, the fish laid on it, and the bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land, full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. If you remember from the first story, what happened? The net was breaking. The net was breaking in the first story. Before the resurrection, the net was breaking. After the resurrection... The net has a supernatural power because of the cross, because he rose from the grave, that cannot happen until he paid that price. Do you see that, church? A, a huge catch of fish. It wasn't like, well, there was probably a few more in the first catch, and so that's why the net wasn't breaking. As I read that, the Lord just spoke to me. It's because it's on the other side of the cross. It's the other side. It's a supernatural anointing and power to do something that in the natural world couldn't be done. And it's because of his power. So the takeaway here is that Jesus brings life and life more abundantly. This is why he came, not just for the saving of our sins for all of eternity, but he came to give us life abundantly on this earth. Do you understand that this relationship with Jesus is not just about eternity, but it's about today? It says the thief 
In John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. There is additional power for those that believe on this side of the cross. You say, well, what does that mean? Is that my bank account again? Is he finally getting to my bank account? No. You're like, well, more of what? You're saying it's more, it's better on this side. What is it more of? It's more peace. It's more certainty. It's more love. It's more compassion. It's more the fruit of the Spirit. It's more, it's more, it's more because of Jesus. And because he rose, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can be able to do this life. So we can do what God's called us to do and our nets don't tear. Thank you, Lord. You mean to tell me that not only you died for my sins so I could spend eternity in heaven with you, but that there's actual power available in this life that I'm living? I can have peace. I can have patience. Like, how is that possible? Because of the cross. Every sin paid for. Every sickness healed. Because of the cross. If you have more of something, then that means you have less of these other things. Less fear. Less anxiety. Less confusion. Less of all the things you want less of. And more of all the things you want more of. More power to parent supernaturally than you had before. The cross does that. More power to share the gospel message with your coworkers. All of it, all of it is on the other side of the cross. Verse 12. Jake, if you want to come up here and play behind me. Verse 12 says this. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread, and he gave it to them, and likewise the fish. Verse 14, now, this now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after he was raised from the dead. What can we learn at this end of this story here? Is the first time when Jesus called the disciples... He said, come and follow me. He said, come and follow me. And I'm going to show you my ways. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to make you fishers of men. This is what I'm going to show you. Post-resurrection, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is now calling for a relationship. He is now calling for a relationship with him. Not just follow me, but I want a relationship with you. I want fellowship with you. He didn't walk away and said, come behind me. He sat down and he fellowshiped with them. He broke bread with them. He broke fish with them. He sat down around the fire on the beach. And he said, let me have a relationship with you. Jesus is calling for a relationship with him, a fellowship with him. 
not just to be teacher, but to also be your friend. Not just to be your Savior and Lord, but to be your companion through the most difficult times. This morning, church, on this Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate what he did, but what we're really celebrating is he paid the price to have a relationship with God, a relationship with him. That's what we're celebrating. The chance to have this relationship that's life-changing, life-altering, a life that changes your life completely and radically changed because of what he did. And I believe he's calling us this morning into a deeper relationship with him. To invite him in to every hole in your bucket that you walked in with this morning. Every leaky hole, every crack, every issue, you're inviting him in. And when you invite someone into fellowship, you don't fellowship with the person for 30 seconds and then throw them out of your house. No, you invite him in. And you linger. And you talk. And you share. You confess some of the deepest, darkest things in your life. That's what he's asking for this morning. A deeper relationship with him. So bow your heads this morning. Close your eyes. I want to pray for each and every one of you this morning. And I want to invite, don't say this prayer with me unless you're serious. Because when you invite Jesus in to all the areas of your life, he begins to work. And don't reject the work that he begins to do because it's not the way you want him to do it. You invite him into a relationship and he says, go and ask for forgiveness for it. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, that probably wasn't Jesus speaking to me. No, yeah, probably was. He's going to ask us to do hard things. He's going to ask us to change things in our life that we are very comfortable with and don't want to change. So with every head bowed and everyone's eyes closed, oh Lord, we invite you in today. Lord, we thank you. We celebrate the price you paid and that you conquered death. We celebrate that you ascended to heaven that you're at the right hand of the Father and that you will soon return. But Lord, as, we, as you tarry and as we wait for your return, we invite you in to every area of our life. We invite you in to the places that are dark, the places where we're hurting, the places where we have tried and toiled and fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus, we invite you into those areas of our life. Jesus, we invite you into our relationship with you first and foremost, with our spouse, with our family, with our children. We invite you this morning in. Have your way. Have your way. 
we invite you in to our hearts this morning. Lord, we are open and willing to have you do your work to make us whole even when it seems painful and challenging. Because, Lord, we just want more of you. Because with more of you, Father, comes more peace and more of all the things we long for. So, Lord, we invite you in this morning. We invite you in. In your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, as we had mentioned earlier, if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if, for any, if you need prayer for anything, whether it's that, whether it's healing, whether it's a relationship challenge, we're going to have prayer teams that are going to be up, up here. I love pound cake, and I love coffee cake, but I can't eat all of it. There will be some for you, even if you come up here and get prayer. In fact, I ordered extra. So if someone goes out and tries to take three, those who are coming to the cross, coming to get prayer, you're still going to have coffee cake. So put that out of your mind as a reason not to come up. We're also ending service 10 to 15 minutes earlier than we normally do. Again, another great reason to come up and get prayer. Come up and get prayer this morning. Don't leave this place not inviting Jesus into an area of your life that you need to invite him into. So before we close with the benediction, I want to just remind you that we'll have offering buckets up here. There's also a box in the back. You can put your offering in as you close. For those who are up here getting prayer, just you know, be aware of that as you come and bring your offering. And I would just say a prayer over that. Now, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for every gift, every giver. We thank you, Lord, that you are the ultimate giver, the one who sacrificed everything, a perfect life in heaven to come down to this earth, to face every temptation, every challenge that I face, to understand everything that all of us have gone through, and to still go to the cross and to rise again for my sins and for all of eternity. Father, we thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Just a reminder, there is no, uh, the Luciano Life Group will not be tonight. It'll be next week. It's always the third Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, so we won't be here tonight. We'll be here next week. And let me end with Hebrews 13. As the prayer teams come forward, now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. Come on, church. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete, complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. We love you guys. Enjoy some coffee and fellowship.